I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. Protesters are marching around San Francisco's City Hall. Their goal is to get the police chief fired because of the shooting deaths of minorities by police. When police kill a civilian, there are often calls for the officers to be charged with a crime. Well, the families of people killed by San Francisco police are calling on District Attorney Brooke Jenkins to hold the officers accountable. But police misconduct rarely results in charges, let alone a conviction. San Francisco district attorneys have brought charges against officers in five cases since 2016. One officer was acquitted, and the other cases were dismissed. No officer has been criminally convicted in a beating or killing here in modern history. Instead, disputes over law enforcement actions frequently end up in civil court. It's not just cases involving shootings and beatings. It could be use of force, but also alleged wrongful imprisonment or just property damage. Suing the city is the only way many alleged victims of police misconduct feel they can clear their or their loved ones' names and get a measure of justice, or if not quite justice, at least recompense. And it's not just civilians. Officers also sue the city when they feel they've been wronged by their employer. A lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court today by 13 SFPD employees. More than a dozen officers claim that they were passed up for promotions as sergeants, lieutenants, or captains because of their race and gender. They're white. All of this adds up. Data analyses from the Washington Post and 538 indicate San Francisco spends a disproportionate amount of money for its size settling police misconduct suits. But when you consider not just alleged misconduct, but the full range of legal battles involving law enforcement officers, that amount grows even more. In the past 13 years, the city of San Francisco has paid out more than $70 million of public money in settlements of civil suits prompted by alleged misconduct, employment disputes, false imprisonment, and property damage. That figure comes from a data project by Mission Local reporter Will Jarrett. He obtained and sorted through years of court records to track these settlements. He found that not only are these suits expensive, but that a handful of officers appear in multiple cases— Each of them individually has cost the city millions. Will Jarrett joins me to share what took him down this path and where this investigation might go next. Will, welcome to Fifth and Mission. You took on this enormous task of tallying up the settlements in all these cases involving law enforcement in San Francisco. What made you decide to take this on? We were talking to a lot of people in the course of our normal reporting who were saying that they had lost faith in the idea that the police were being held accountable, particularly through criminal courts. And so we were hearing from them that they were saying, you know, the the one way that we seem to be getting some kind of accountability is through civil suits. But when we tried to kind of quantify that and figure out exactly how that was working, we found that there weren't really any good or comprehensive data sources that we could go to. The public defender's office has like a, a misconduct cop watch sort of thing that includes some of that information. But we wanted to be able to say this is all of them. You went all the way back to 2010. So you're saying there is no database. You basically created a database. How? There is a database that the city attorney holds that includes basically every time that they're sued ever. But when you begin there, basically all you get a case number, the name of the case, and how much was reached. So you don't get any of the details of what happened in the case. You don't get any of the names of the police officers, which was something that we particularly wanted. So we went through, you know, Legistar. It's the the thing that the Board of Supervisors has all of their ordinances and everything listed on. 
And we were looking in particular for these major lawsuits, the ones that are over 25 grand, because they're the ones that the Board of Supervisors needs to sign off. Mm -hmm. So all of them had some kind of record there. A lot of the stuff was from PACER, the federal court system, kind of uh, record system, which operates behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. And so part of what we wanted to do was basically say, okay, we're going to eat the cost (laughs) of this, and then we're going to host them on our site so that everyone can access them, because they are publicly available. Looking at cases against the city involving law enforcement since 2010, the amount of settlements in that time averages out to one roughly every three days, which is a shocking statistic to me. And they totaled in that time around $70 million. Where is that money coming from? So that's coming from the the city's general fund. It's not coming from the San Francisco Police Department, which is one kind of strike against the civil system if you're thinking of it in terms of a way of getting accountability. Is this taxpayer money? Yes. But a civil suit doesn't necessarily mean that an officer gets any discipline. It doesn't mean the city accepting any wrongdoing. And it doesn't mean the police department giving away any of their money. So in terms of who is being made accountable, I mean, it gets the police bad press. But other than that, it's limited. San Francisco has a pretty huge budget and has kind of a reputation for spending a lot of money on a lot of things. Our budget is on the order of $14 billion now, I think. You've done a lot of budget stories, so I don't need to tell you this. But, you know, the police department this year went over its overtime budget by $56 million. In that context, how significant is $70 million in expenditures over the course of more than a decade? It's important to note that the 70 million is not the entire cost to San Franciscans because you've got a couple of other things going on. One of which is that if a police officer is involved in several civil suits, they become a lot less valuable to the police department. I don't know if you saw like the the standards reporting about the rubber room and the, the police officers who are kind of sequestered there when they can't be fired but you can't really have them doing anything else. And that's a that's a, a huge expense for the taxpayers. So in one part of your series, you focused on police officers who were named in multiple cases, and you tallied up how much they cost the city. You wrote about nine such officers. One of them cost the city $2 million. But in these cases that you looked at, did being named in multiple civil suits against the city affect these officers' careers? I mean, there were lots of instances where you saw this kind of pattern going back for at least a decade and people still hadn't been fired. So there was um, Joshua Cabillo was an officer who uh, shot and killed a teenager in South San Francisco before he joined the SFPD. That was in 2012, I think. That ended up in like a quarter million dollar lawsuit for them. But then he came over to San Francisco the next year. He was involved in an excessive use of force case in 2015 that cost $40,000. 2016, he was involved in another one in the mission that cost 23000 where he hogtied someone in the street, allegedly. In 2018, he shot someone in the back that cost 180000 2019, he was there at the beating of Dakari Spears. There were two settlements over that. One was seven hundred grand. All of these costs tallied up. He, that was over a decade a decade's worth of suits and he only left last year and the year before that he was on I think it was around 140k so you know it doesn't seem to have affected his career so much and there, there are kind of several other examples that we've gone through in the in the piece as well sometimes it's the officers who file suit against the city we'll hear about that after a quick break 
You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Will Jarrett, you've been looking at the cost of lawsuits against the city, and you didn't just look at cases where someone alleged police misconduct. You're also looking at suits brought by law enforcement officers who have an employment dispute. How does that factor into these cases you found where some individual officers make repeat appearances in civil court? Yeah, well, there's a couple of quite interesting ones in those. There are cases where the officers themselves have been sued successfully a bunch of times, and then they sued the city, and also successfully, and got a bunch of money out of that. One officer who was named in a civil suit against the city and subsequently also sued the city himself is this guy, Paulo Morgado. What happened in his case? Yes, there were a bunch of instances in which he was involved in various alleged areas of misconduct in shootings, that kind of thing. And then I think it came to a head in 2008, he allegedly called... Uh, black man Charles Haynes, a boy. Haynes was arrested, but then released later without charge. And there was a subsequent lawsuit that cost the city 50 grand, and Morgado was fired. The firing was to do with the wrongful arrest rather than the use of that kind of racially charged language. But then there was a several years long lawsuit that he took out against the city in which he was eventually given back pay of approaching 600 grand. So this kind of stuff, it it costs the city more than you would expect from the initial settlements in a lot of these cases. I'm just wondering in general, with all these different kinds of cases that you looked into, was there any kind of case that stood out as generally resulting in higher settlement amounts? And did that seem proportional to how egregious the alleged misconduct was? Yeah, so... The top three settlements from the last, what is it, 13 years were all to do with wrongful imprisonment. All three of them were cases where it was a young black man who had been wrongfully convicted because of something that the police had done, for instance, not sharing certain exculpatory evidence with the defense, that kind of thing. That seems to make sense to me that they would be some of the highest ones because I think between just those three, they had 57 years behind bars that they shouldn't have been there. And then the second would be the wrongful death suits. So what do we know about how these awards are calculated? Part of it is to do with the, as you would expect, the kind of strength of the case. Having spoken to John Burris, he's the attorney who handled a lot of these kind of police misconduct cases. He said that a large part of it is to do with how a jury would view his clients as well. And so he said that a large part about getting a big settlement was trying to humanize his clients. There's a massive discrepancy. It seems some people go to trial and then, you know, if they lose, they get nothing. But if they win, they tend to get a lot higher payout. Yeah. So I was going to ask about John Burris, actually, because he's a well-known lawyer who takes on a lot of cases involving alleged police misconduct. And he told you that he believes people value black men's lives less than white people's. I wonder if that was reflected in the settlement amounts. Were there racial disparities in the amounts that people were paid? The short answer is I don't know, but I think there is the longer answer is that I think there are good reasons that we don't know it. You would want to compare people across different races who had similar things happen to them in order to get these settlements. The three highest paying settlements here were young black men who were in prison for decades uh, wrongfully 
And then you could say, okay, how does that compare to all of the white young men who are in prison for that long? And the, and the answer is that they're not there. <laughs> they're, they're not in the data. If you were just doing a naive analysis of the data, you would say probably that if you're black, you're going to get more. But that's because you know, the, the black people in this data set had worse things happen to them that were then compensated. You talked to a few people who had settled with the city, one of whom received three and a half million dollars. And for some people, this is a life changing amount of money that they receive. And for others, the amount is really low. There's some that you point to that are not even four digits. What reflections did people share with you about the settlement amount and how it affected them? A lot of the people I spoke to about this didn't want to be on the record. But speaking generally, people said that they cared less about the money than they did about showing that either they or their family member had not been in the wrong. And a lot of the people, even in large settlements, would say, you know, we didn't need the money. It was never about that for us. One of the people you spoke with is Karamud Conley, whose conviction was overturned, but who still spent 18 years in prison. He sued and he won a $3.5 million settlement. And the way that Conley told you he thinks about this is in terms of how that breaks down by year. And he said, would I be willing to spend a year in maximum security prison for that amount of money? Hell no. Did you get a sense from the plaintiffs you spoke with that they didn't need this money necessarily, but at the same time that it would never truly cover the cost of what happened? 100%. That's exactly what we heard from uh, Mr. Connolly was basically he said, I was in prison for so long, just being able to go outside is the freedom that I want. But he was also very disappointed with the amount that he got in his settlement. And I think it was because he thought that the amount of time that he had spent in prison was not justly compensated. And so it was, it was more a feeling of injustice than it was about any kind of monetary concerns. He's now got quite a comfortable life, but he's still annoyed <laughs> about having settled for what he considers to be less than what his case was worth. Did the people that you spoke with who had received settlements feel like their cases would change things going forward? Did they want systemic changes or did they feel like this really didn't bring them the justice they were hoping for? There seemed to be a sense that they were kind of proud that it was out there. I think one thing that I encountered was that there was a lot of hope more around kind of 2020 and that that has slowly started to recede again, that things are going to be changing in terms of police misconduct, in particular racial disparities in policing. There was Dolores Piper. She was the guardian of Derek Gaines, who was killed by Joshua Cabillo, who we mentioned earlier. And this kind of incident really set her into this world where for the last decade or so, she's become a real advocate for change. She was suddenly learning about all of these other cases. She was going to support people at their trials and that kind of thing. So I think for a lot of people, it does kind of open up this world of advocacy and trying to make a difference. But equally, there was also this sense that civil suits on their own aren't going to do much. Will, thanks for talking with me. Thank you very much for having me. Will Jarrett is the data reporter from Mission Local. There's much more to explore in his four-part series at missionlocal.org, including interactive data sets if you want to sort this information for yourself. And eye-opening insight into what happens after someone receives a settlement from the city. The California Reporting Project, a statewide news-gathering collaboration, is working on a publicly accessible police misconduct database, and Mission Local expects the California Reporting Project to include this data there as well. 
Thanks to Sarah Feldberg and Cecilia Lay for production help on this episode, to Gary Baca for editing the audio, and thanks to you for listening. 